Saying low, Apple Music. Never in my wildest dreams. Hi, everybody. I'm Zane. Thanks for joining us for the interview series once more. Never in my wildest dreams would I thought that Neil Young would show up on this series once, let alone twice within a year. Uh, the first time that we spoke was around the album he made with Crazy Horse called Barn. We went to Shangri-La Studios and hung out inside and had a really wonderful conversation. It's here. Scroll down on this list of episodes and you'll see it and hopefully listen to it. Fast forward to almost a year later, Neil has made another Crazy Horse album, this time Crazy Horse album back at Shangri-La Studios with the studio owner, Rick Rubin. You can imagine me sitting there hearing this information for the first time and wondering whether or not myself and Neil and Rick can come together and have a conversation. We did. At Shangri-La on a beautiful rainy day, we sat outside this time in the rain and we chopped it up and talked about this brand new album, but we went way further than that. We talked about recording techniques, analog to digital, and how neither one of them is any better than the other. In fact, they can work in symbiosis. We talked about climate change and the line that artists have to draw in terms of touring in the current climate. We talked about Neil selling his music to a publishing company and what that means in terms of allowing his songs to be, or in Neil's case, never to be used to endorse products, people, political parties, etc. There's a lot in this. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Myself and Rick Rubin and Neil Young in conversation right now on the interview series. This is awesome. I just want to take a second to, um, and I always do, to acknowledge our surroundings whenever I'm here, how it makes me feel driving here. I lighten up, I smile. I choose my music before I arrive as I'm driving in. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. I, so I have a memory of it. I listen to Chevrolet. Oh, good. Driving in here, which is one of my favorites on the record. So thanks, Rick, for letting us come and sit in your beautiful yard on a lovely rainy day. It's great to see you again, Neil. Great to be here. When's the last time, if ever, we've done an interview in the rain, is it? It's hard to get a rainy day anyway. That's the subject on the album. Part of it, yeah. Yeah. It's all part of this beautiful and emotional and sometimes angry and often for me sad new album, but these are all really valid emotions and I want to talk about those. First of all, archives. I, I just, I always want to acknowledge what you're doing there and uh, congratulations. Uh, I'm a subscriber and a, oh, good. a patron. Oh, thank you, of man. Of the Neil Young archives. <laughs> That's cool. I was really happy to see that you're now also um, financially Yeah, stable. we broke even like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And you could, we're not now though. We were just, we peaked, we came above them and then we went down again. <laughs> but we, we hit it. We hit it. You, you know, broke so. even and increased your spin. Yeah, for the, I don't know how many years it's been, but we finally got to the point where the new ideas and things we were developing, yeah. were they didn't outspend the uh, income. Yeah, but you were doing it anyway. And I, I realize now being a part of it, what it means to me is probably why you did it, which was the connection. Feeling like you can make a meaningful connection without it being interrupted or changed or morphed. Yeah. And also the connection that you get in return because it feels accessible to me, very accessible. It's all there. Mm. Everything that I ever did, you know, that I wanted people to hear mm. is there. And there's more things, but I haven't found them yet and I haven't, you know, been able to prepare them. They're all there and it's, I, I, love, the, I love the archives. For me, it's like been my, my friend for years now. Yeah. A place where I can go and, and take care of my stuff and organize everything and make sure it's, you know, they got really good archivists, uh, engineers and, record keepers and like you said in a way it's it's actually helping you rediscover and find things for the first time that are sitting somewhere and and we all have those yeah away in drawers places and things like that i saw recently that somebody at a, a record store i think in, in a small town found a 1973 concert you know about this obviously you know about this yes yeah. we have it already yeah. we got it from them 
Yeah. And uh, we're copying it and doing a plangent copy, Amazing. which will take the wow and flutter out of a cassette. It's apparently a cassette of a cassette. So, but there just were no recordings of those shows. Yeah. We had one at the Roxy, but no other ones on the whole tour that I can remember. But we did about eight or nine shows, and every time we get one, this is one we've never heard. So mm. it's going to be a you know, rescue job to make it sound okay. But it, it's all—it's all for fun. It's anyway. all fun, right? And at the yeah. end of the day, that whatever's left over in terms of the quality of that from the recording of it is is honest. Rick, I, I don't know if I've ever asked you about archives, the idea of how this place extends into archival work and what you hold on to, what you feel you can hold on to from sessions and albums and how it all sort of, how you relate to, to, to that really important storage side of things. Like, how do you, how do you approach that here at Shangri-La? Not well. <laughs> I've, ne I've never taken it seriously and um, it w at some point it'll be an issue <laughs> if we ever decide to look back. Is it stored in analog and on tapes as well as in digital or is it kind of all just it's hard to say so, so much of the things because i work with so many different artists yeah. most of whom are signed to labels it, it's all over it's in the different archives of the different record companies all yeah. over the place so it's yeah. hard hard to know but we would record when when we were recording mostly on tape which we did on this album as yeah. well but in the old days of recording on tape sometimes we would use 150 reels of two inch tape for one album if we were doing a lot of takes mm. And those still exist somewhere yeah. with all of those takes. And you know, I've never looked back at them, but I know that they exist. I can't imagine someone would have, would have erased them at a record company, for, yeah. but you never know. It was lovely to know that you'd recorded this on Two Inch Tape. I've actually worked on an album personally myself, and we made it digitally because we, that, we needed the access and the immediacy of using computers and stuff. But we transferred everything to tape and we mixed on tape. I, I don't know. It felt like it made a difference to me. I could hear it even though it was done digitally. It just brought things alive in a different way. So I'm a fan of, of that process. But you've never been someone I've always felt has kind of been attached to an old way of doing things. Like you're always looking forward, always looking for new ways to try to bring things to life. So why do this one on tape? Well, this one does, is a hybrid. This was done to tape and immediately to digital. Hmm. Like on the, off the playback head. Right. So it was only on tape for a split second and then it was digital, but right. we still have the original tape. Yeah. So then after that, we're working with the digital copy of it. So you've already taken that dark step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're now in the realm Yeah. where nothing is the real. But it was real for a split it's, second. It's, it was before you got here. Yeah. And that's, and that's where we made the record. And then we went back to the place and whatever we used that was acoustic, getting back to the place that through the board, if there was ever any acoustic echo or anything that got used or anything that was added from the board, the sound of the board, all of that, that all went to analog. Mm. But we, our original tones came from an analog tone to a digital tone, where we worked with the digital tone, blended it to an analog. By tone. design, because you wanted the digital influence as well as we the analog. We want the digital control. And we mixed to analog again after, after it went into the digital realm, yep. we mixed to analog tape. Yes. So it's interesting you talk about digital control because that makes total sense. But, but both of you have come, come from a time when, like, like you know what you're doing with tape. Like you and Crazy Horse know what you're doing. You've prepared these songs, you've come together, you're trying to capture a moment. Mm -hmm. So in a way, you've relinquished control by that point, in my head as a fan. And then you grew up editing tape i mean you made the beastie boys records and these and these aloe cool j records and stuff like cutting tape that's how you looped so i guess my question is like 
what what was the benefits of digital control? There's a, there's a lot you can do with digital that's really convenient that you can't you can't do with analog. Or if you, I, I don't want to say you can't do it with analog, but if you did it with analog, the downside of do you wouldn't get the same benefit that you get if you do it digitally yeah. because you have to make copies yeah. and they're going down generations. Whereas if you can get into the digital realm immediately from the analog highest quality, if you're playing in that world, it's not degrading. It's not getting, there, there were even times in the past where you'd put up a two inch tape where we'd put up a two inch tape, something we were working on in the past and you listen to it and it didn't sound like it did when you recorded it mm. because it, it starts degrading. Things happen. It can happen fast. It yep. can happen if you, if yep. you mixed it a year later, it wouldn't no. sound anything like the That's original track. That's why you got the rough mix is the I good mix. That's that. why you got to do a mix the, the night of. You it's always changing. Multi-track and you happened. get it on multi-track and it's then you alive. mix it. Wow. It's you mix it right there. Then you got that. That's yeah. what you got and you got to yeah. figure out how do I preserve it. Exactly. And that's it. But if you get it, yeah. Then, then the analog doesn't. The big master doesn't have a chance to start to disintegrate. It can go and live its life. You want to get it all at once. Yeah, yeah. Everything yeah. you get the faster the better. Yeah, it's, it's like always, sampling. It's always changing. It really is. Yeah, always, yeah. It's unbelievable. But it's like the early it's always, days of sampling. Must have like the early days of sampling. It's like, but like in real time, like take this beautiful original analog recording and then just quickly like just get it in there and it starts to manipulate it and do what we need to do with it. Well, you know, you already taken the step. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Once you've taken the step, it doesn't matter what you do. Like Rick says, we preserve it all at that level. Mm -hmm. But you already stepped down yeah. into it. Yeah. So preserving it all at that level is not the same yeah. as preserving all you had before you went to that level. That's different. Yeah, yeah. And if you, you know, there's many ways to try to do that using parts of digital things that you made and cutting them back in to the analog and putting them back in different ways. Mm. But uh, it's so complicated to do that. We don't do that. It's, we, we, it, it's not part of the music. So we get, you know, we're music freaks. We love to be in the vibe of the song. That's yeah, where we it's live. not actually a natural habitat. The digital lands landscape is not a natural habitat for, for the, the sound of this record because it is there's so much in there that just feels like leave it alone. Yeah, we but were, this we was digital, digital when we were messing with it, right? It's all it, digital. It was, but... Yeah. I remember when we originally started tracking, we, we recorded both analog mm -hmm. and digital simultaneously. Yeah. They sounded completely different, and the analog sounded much better. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you compared the digital version of the analog to the digital-only version, Still. the analog first digital version sounded much better. Mm -hmm. So it's, And by, I, I imagine there's some music you could probably record, maybe symphonic music where it's really quiet, where maybe the digital version sounds better because there's no noise at all. Mm -hmm. And so I could imagine in a dynamic situation where you're only recording very quiet things, there could be an argument for digital because it, it does some things well. Mm. When, when you go over the analog head recording something analog, and then you capture it right away, is not the same as going over the analog head, capturing it, and then going back and playing it again to it's listen true. to it. Yeah. Because it this changes. is the second time You've it's lost being played. That immediate That's it not changes. the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the decay has begun. Yeah. 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 It's, a it keeps changing. it's a race. It's a race. You gotta be, you gotta be watching, and, but at the same time, you couldn't give a shit because you're more interested in the song. This is a, another beautiful album full of really amazing Neil Young and Crazy Horse songs. First time we spoke here, and you'll laugh at this because you've been down this road with me before. I'm, I get so obsessed with the process and you would let me down very easy. And you can almost cut the, this bit of the interviewing because we left it in where you were like, 
I get, I get it. You want to, you want to know how I do it, but I, I could give you a different version of the same four answers I just gave you. But the bottom line is, man, like we should just dance around something else right now because it just is what it is, you know. And and you, you you described it as a strangeness, and um, and I love that you did that. And so so I'm gonna have one more crack at it because I think I found a way in. Mm-hmm. Can you describe what the strangeness? felt like this time what it felt like when you realized this album was kind of presenting itself to you because that's the way you describe it is it's just here come these songs yeah well that was uh uh that was i guess we were talking about barn Mm. back then yeah Yeah. well that was cool that was a really cool album but it wasn't like this album because this album was came from a whole other place it's not even it's like it's like zebras and horses It's like they're not the same. Yeah. They, they, they seem to occupy the same space and do the same thing and sit in the same pen or whatever, you know, but they're not. So it's, I think what it, this one is, is that this one had the flow in a way the other one had never heard of having the flow. It came from another place. Mm. So the writer of this is me one step removed. It must be like that because... I'm walking along in, in the forest, whistling tunes that I've never whistled before for the first time and recording them at the same time. That's happened day after day, every day, a new song, a new, a new melody, no words, no instrument, just whistling a little, walking mm-hmm. along. Mm-hmm. And I love to walk, so I get in this groove, I'm walking and I'm doing these melodies. And then, uh, you know, so I collected them all on my flip phone and put them on my... Made a, made a little movies of me walking, playing them. Is that what's in the in the uh, in the video? Is that some of that footage in the video? That's the one that yeah. I yeah I was working on it this morning. Yeah. And and it's funny because I didn't realize at the time. I found out afterwards, and I would love to have talked to you about it then. But you walked, you know, was it three miles to the barn on the last record? You would walk each yeah. day yeah. with the dogs. Yeah, I was walking every day there, and uh, at in the winter time after we made that record, I was still walking, and that's when I wrote all these songs. Wow. So, but I only wrote the melodies. And it was like, I didn't even know I was, I was just, you know how you would be walking along whistling, you're thinking about something else? Yeah, yeah. You just had to be recording. What is that you're whistling? Where did it come from? Did you make it up yourself as a fun little happy song? Or is that something you heard on the television yesterday? Or is it something from your grandmother's record collection? Mm. You know, where is the melody coming from? So I don't know. So I realized they were a different melody every day. So every day I started recording them on my flip phone and it'll make a little movie of it as I'm walking along, you know, with the dog. So it's how part of it's my thumb and the other part of it is, you know, like snowy stuff with feet on it. And, and But you hear the whistling. So all these songs started like that. Eight out of ten of them mm. started with the melody with no instrument. No words, no instrument, no chord changes. That is significantly, completely in another zone. And, and not thought of or sitting down to feel anything. It's just walking. So then I started thinking maybe four or five months later it might be nice to go to do some stuff. I'd written a couple of other songs, and uh, one of them was Chevrolet. I just finished that, and I was back here, and I said, God, it'd be nice to get in the studio and do some stuff. And checked out, and the horse was ready to go. And, and uh, so I called, and I booked the studio. And I said, God, that was easy. Usually you can't get in this place. I mean, I'm going, I, box, I, I got it like in it's because three the, days later. It's because there's one single post-it note beside the bookings phone that Rick's had there for however long, 25 years, is if Neil calls, the answer's yes. <laughs> well, whatever it was, I was very, very lucky to get this place again. Yeah. So here I am, 
And then I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call Rick now and see if, because I thought of Rick right away. I'm going, who's going to help me do this? And, you know, and uh, so I thought of Rick because he's here. It's, it's, his, gaff. it's his place. It's his gaff. Yeah. So there we did, you know, so we, we've, we've done things before, and, uh, but we've never completed a record before, yeah. which is, which doesn't mean anything because the things we did, we remember. Yeah. And we remember what they felt like. So that's our history. Mm. It's not about what records came out. Mm. So musically, we were very similar. So we had, we, we, it just seemed like the right thing. So I told them the story of whistling and doing this stuff and uh, writing the songs in like two days. All of the songs were finished in two days. There were finished no corrections. From melody to, yeah. No corrections on the lyrics. Not a change other than spelling, which was terrible because mm. I did it on the computer, which I never do. Right. And I never looked at the screen. I just kept thinking the words and typing and typing. So it was a mess. But I could still figure out what it was. So I did eight songs like that in two days. Yeah, I love this song, Live Earth. Yeah, Live Earth is great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> live Earth. I like it. Live. <laughs> live life. <laughs> yeah. Shaboom. Rick, one of the, when I called you actually a while ago. I texted you a while ago during quarantine. I was feeling uninspired, so... Often I turn to my mentor and say, what do you, what should I read? What should I read? What should I listen to? What are you doing? Help me out. And you, you sent me back a list of books and one of them was Neil's book. Nice. You recommended Neil's book. And I, I thought of that on the way here. I just, I sort of wondered like, does that help that you've read this story about this, this man's life before you get into a room and work with him? Does it apply? I don't apply? think so. I don't think so. It's just, it's because it's all just stories. You know, it's, it's a different thing. Yeah. Um, but it's fun. It's fun to, I like stories about people that I'm interested in. You know, yeah. if someone makes something I like, I want to hear a story about them. Whether it's true yeah. or not doesn't even matter. It's like they're yeah. characters in some yeah. story, you yeah. know? You, you know if anyone's ever written anything about you, there's probably, I don't know, 30 or 40% of it might be right and 60 or 70% is made up. Yeah. And that's what everything is. It's yeah. all yeah. stories. Yeah. So I don't take any of the stories too seriously, but I like hearing them because I like stories. That's what memories are, right? They're um, designed to deceive and uh, that's, that can be cool. That can make yeah, for a great yeah. story. It is what it is. It's how we survive. <laughs> or not, as this record may imply. And that's a really fascinating part of this album. I talked about the emotions that I felt when I listened to it and still listen to it. I can't tell, and maybe it's not something that needs to be told, whether or not it's a timely reminder of what is around us and what is amazing and what we take for granted, or whether it's just kind of almost a document of what we are going to leave behind when we wipe ourselves out. And that's when I get sad, is I can't tell the two. Does that make sense? Kind of, yeah. I mean, those, 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 that information is, is living in there. And it's interesting because the points of view of all the different guys thinking about all this are all different because it's a different day. Mm. And the melody came from a, an unknown place with no chords or or instrument associated with it. So I had to go through that whole translation of that. And in doing that, I realized that, well, you can say about one guy, one song says one thing and another song says something else. Is, is, that, is that not, you know, hypocritical or what do you, what, how come you, how can you talk about driving an old car when you know the fossil fuels are, you know, how can you do that? You know, somebody asked me that and I- I don't think they were listening to that song though. No. That song is pretty clear about yeah, yeah, what I you're know. leaving behind I mean, in that song. You're surprised, though. It takes, you can tell it. Yeah. You can't hear the whole song the first time. So uh. some people hear other things in it. And, and, you know, and that's cool. 
That song's um, also about two hours long. You have to keep yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Hard you to keep a lifetime. Up. You have a lifetime. Yeah, it's in a long there. time. It's, it's a, a long, long road. It's a long trip. There's a lot of really great sort of muscle car metaphors that have been that have turned into sort of more of a, a kind of acknowledgement and acceptance that um, maybe we should have let go of those muscle car metaphors a while a while ago. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's great for that. And I'm glad you talked about that song because first of all, when we walked in before, I saw you for the first time. You were playing on piano. Yeah. Which was beautiful until I ruined it. Yeah. But <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Well, people are gonna sing back to you at some point. I was it just warming you up. But then it became a real crazy horse moment. Like I would consider to be the closest thing to like that timeless crazy, crazy horse. Yeah. Take something beautiful and destroy it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Play it. Yeah. Play it. What was that day like, Rick? When you got when you when you fired up and you heard that coming through? Uh, super exciting. Had no idea what to expect because it's it, Neil does different things at different times. So yeah. excited and curious. And then um, we sat in the living room here. And Neil played me the whistling versions and then read to me the words. I don't think you sang me the words. I think yeah, you right, read right. to me I, the I words. I played you the whistling and read the words to you. That's I what that's I think you did. Jeez. So it was like the, the idea of I still had no idea what the songs were like. You know, I had an idea of a melody. Yeah. None of it sounded like Neil. Yeah. Historically, it, it sounded foreign, but it sounded really good. And it was interesting because like, hmm, I haven't heard this before. That's interesting and had no idea what it would be like when Crazy Horse played on it. Mm. And I remember, I maybe even said, it's like, you sure you want to do this with them? Because like, yeah. based on what we were listening to, it was like, it was not clear that this was going to play the <laughs> Crazy Horse's strong suit. I'm glad you said that because it, it does, it, it, pu it pulls out sides of Crazy Horse we've heard before, but it really, it does, you know, you push each other on this record in really interesting and unique ways. And so to, to, to get back to, to Rick's observation, like, I guess I can ask the question, why did you decide to, to bring horse, the horse with you on this one? I think I, I I think it just seemed to me the the only group that could do this. I, I you know I could and I, they are. It turns yeah, out yeah, they're yeah. the only group who could do yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> and we thought when we recorded it, we were pretty sure during the first week that they went, might not have been right. Right. Yeah. Why? Well, yeah. it wasn't. We weren't getting anything. Right, and we right. were going. We have to go back and listen and see what we did because we never got. You know. We, we, we need to get to these, and every time we play them, it's like Ralph is saying, uh, we, we played this a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Right. <laughs> right. And we, yeah, it but was, we didn't bizarre. think that we, so we had to go back and we listened to everything, and we found several songs that we did that were, we can't understand why we didn't use them right away. We can't understand what was wrong with them. When it was happening, it seemed like we were not close to even getting started wow, making nothing. record. Wow. Most of what you hear on the record were things that at the time that they were recorded, we were like, boy, I hope someday they're going to learn the song. Wow, mm -hmm. <laughs> wow that's crazy. Yeah. But when you listen back to them, there's nothing wrong with them. No, they're beautiful. And yeah. in fact, all of those things that you were probably so worried about. It's so weird. <laughs> it, was the weirdest, it was the weirdest project but ever. I was reading a note from you on the archives, right? <laughs> that this almost sounds identical to a decision you made back in 2001 when you chose not to release an album called Toast. Right. Yeah. And I know there were other reasons for that, and yeah. that's seen the light of day, but you would refer to the recordings you did with Crazy Horse almost in the same way in that note. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. They sounded great. Yeah, that's true. And, I, and that was a different time, and I, I, and I had many reasons for not putting it out because the songs are so personal. Mm. And I was in a relationship, and the whole thing was just like, uh, I'm not sure that's the right thing to do or mm. that I should even do that. But this is different because the guy 
in one song is not the guy in the other song. And they're both very convinced about what the song is about, and they're singing it. And, I, and it's me. Mm. But I have to... They're, they're separated because they ha came from different places. And, uh, and I can't put my finger on what it was. We found with all these songs that we'd listen to them first time. We'd say, well, we'll go back and we'll fix that. Both of us, okay, you know, we'd go second verse, you know. We come back a week later to fix all of it, and we can't find anything wrong. Yeah. And we're looking at each other like, this is nuts. We, we know what we heard. We know we have a list of things to do. It's not, though, because Beck said this to me once. He was like, time and the arts have a relationship that we will never truly understand <laughs> in the sense that music ultimately changes and lives a life and changes shape, even if you were just listening to it, not even what people tell you about it. Yeah. It will just alter and move and shift. It, it altered. <laughs> We saw it all. What are you telling me? There's a, a great unspoken a humor trip. going on here. What's going on? No, it was because you honestly, during the process, it made no sense. We were just laughing every day. It's like, what is happening? Mm. You listen to it one day, you know what's wrong. We're going to fix it tomorrow. You come in tomorrow, you listen. It's completely different. Gremlins are at it, man. They're fixing it for you. They're figuring it all out, right? The, it's the tape. It's living when and breathing. See, when you see it, the film of, of making it, you still are going, is this the take? Is this what they're doing? Yeah. Are they, because we have no interest in anything. Everybody's mindless. And, uh, but we're having a good time. Everybody's yeah. grooving. And then, and then it's over. And then that was the record. I mean, we, were, we just played the sound of the record, and you saw what we were doing yeah. to make that sound. When you see us, it's like it's not happening. It's funny. Speaking so, of funny, there's um, a, a moment at the beginning of the Break the Chain video where there's a little bit of off-camera banter going on between uh, you and a couple of people in the studio and someone says, what's the name of the record? And you pause and you say, world record. And then there's this kind of pause and then you all crack up laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and I, that, so the first thing I thought about asking you when I knew you were going to come back here and I saw the video a while back was that was the first thing I thought, oh, I'm off to the races now, I know what the angle is. <laughs> What's so funny about the album title? Like, why did it make you laugh? I mean, I get the double entendre, but like for you, what's so funny? I don't know. I really, I don't know. Yeah, this you know, it seemed funny. like a normal cover, a normal title for this. And then I went, no one's used that title. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm sure somebody used that title, well, actually, but I, you, I, 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 I don't know. Full disclosure, and I'll get killed if I don't mention this. I actually had a radio feature when I started at Apple on my radio show, which was one song a day, like your song of the day, yeah. mm -hmm. because we were broadcasting around the world. So I called was your it world, a record. world record. Fabulous. Yeah. But they didn't laugh at you. They didn't <laughs> laugh. <laughs> it wasn't a joke. You, were, you didn't kill yourself laughing at it when you <laughs> no. thought of it. No, I took it, way too, I took it way too seriously, is what I did. No, it's, it's crazy. There is kind of some humor on the record. It, it sort of lulls you in. Like, I, I don't know, maybe this is the wrong thing to find funny. I found the album cover really funny. It's a picture of my dad. Oh, nice. And he's walking down the street, and he's nice. looking very cool. Nice. He's got a I remember suit on. you saying, oh, yeah, it might be a picture. great picture of him. I remember him. you said, I have a great picture of my and dad. And there's pictures of my whole good. family. My mom and I looking at each other, having a big conversation. Yeah. Just eye to eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then my brother with a golf club in the middle of a swing. You know? Great. And my sister, and she's just sitting there in the house. She's about eight or six or something. And uh, everybody has their birthdays. Their birthdays, the numbers of the birthday are in the lower left in their relationship. And then, and then, you know, you can tell this, oh, this is part of a document of some kind. I yeah. see. And that's all it is. <laughs> so I shouldn't have found it funny. No, it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. I, I think it's good. I like the fact that my dad's on the cover. Yeah, it's cool. And, he's, and it, you're right. There's a, there's a real purpose there. Um, 
But again, it just, it, I don't know. I, I always look too deeply into, into artwork. That's a big, I don't even know where that me. came from. This is the first album that I've done that I did it. I didn't use an art director. Mm. My art director, who I love so much, is no longer on the planet. And I thought, wow, what the hell? You know, this, this record, everything else has happened this way. Why don't we just, I'll just you know, we'll, just, we'll use my family. Mm. I, know, I know some great photos of my family that I would like to put on this. So that's what we did and we just approached it that way. Love Earth, which is the way that the album starts, um, which is just a beautiful, really like lilting, comforting arrangement. It just, it really is a very welcoming sound. But again, you know, the subject is like, take a look around, stop fucking wasting your time looking at other shit. It's all right there in front of you. I just, I sort of wonder what that experience was like for you making that song, you know, coming out of nowhere from the whistle to the completion of it, like how it sort of came to be. Well, I can't remember much of it, but I, I, I think I wrote, I, I know I wrote all the words, you know, that day when I sat down with the computer and did all of that and listened to the tapes. Uh, but there's parts of it that I may have been singing uh, during the morning when I heard the melody for the first time. It's pretty well just a straight ahead. It's just, it's just, the person who wrote that was like, it's, it's me, but it's not, I, I can't really speak for that person. Mm. It's like, a, you can't speak, I can't, the song says what that person's thinking. Mm. It's not so much that it's me that's thinking it, even though it is me, but I, that doesn't matter. What matters is all these different points of view. That's, that's the way I see the record. And then it's like, a, it's a record of, of all these different things coming together. And I hope it's a positive reflection. You can always see hope and positive memories of the beauty of the planet. Yeah. When you've seen the seasons change. Well, that's the lyric though, Neil. That's the one that stopped me in my tracks immediately, which was, we can bring the seasons back. Now that is... <laughs> hey, wait a minute. They are gone. You're right. Yeah. Because I suddenly yeah. <laughs> realized like, wow, okay. I never actually put it into the context of an existence without discernible and definable seasons. That's where we're headed. Yeah. So we, we you know, we got a lot of work to do. I think it's a great situation for the world. It's probably the only time in the world that you could ever see where all the people of all the countries all around the world could all have the same idea. Yeah. Wait a minute, we gotta do something because this is no good. We are all feeling it. And the Russians and the Chinese and the Americans and the Canadians and French people, and the Italians, you know, they're all feeling it. The Australians, and the New Zealanders, they're all feeling the same thing. Definitely. So you just take that and just go, what if everybody focused on just loving Earth and, you know, looking at life like a hippie for a minute? Yeah. And just doing that and just don't do anything to hurt what you love. Rick, you're somebody who I, um, I feel it has been close to the Earth for a long time that you, like, I, you told me once to take my shoes off and stop wearing shoes outside. <laughs> now that kind of is a classic Rick Rubin memory for me because it's like I did, because I did. I took my shoes off and I went for a walk outside without my shoes and I couldn't remember the last time I'd done that. It was grass, by the way, so it wasn't like I was in New York or anything like that. <laughs> but, but um, you know, you hear an album like this come together and I know that, that, that you strive to be as acutely connected to, the, to what's going on around you as possible outside of the thrash of things. Um, did this album make you feel optimistic or sad or how did you feel when it was being recorded and you were listening to what was being written by these people, a.k.a. Neil in many forms. I, was, I wasn't really listening to it in that way. I was listening to it more in a melodic... It gave me a feeling more than 
listening to the stories of the songs. Sometimes I would, I would, because sometimes we would talk about it. If there was a question about something, it's like, mm-hmm. what do you mean by this? I may, I may have said that one or two yeah. times, um, but it, I'm not listening so much for the content, more for the way it makes me feel. How did it make you feel? I like the songs and I like the contrast between like the beauty of something like Love Earth, the drama of some of the, there's a, what's the name of the third song? There's one that's like, it's really loud. Oh, um, I Walk With You. Yeah, I Walk, I walk with, with You. Which it's, it's a loud song, but it's not like a rocker. It's something yeah. else. Yeah. It's a, it's a different kind of song. Yeah. And I, and it, that relationship between something really beautiful and something really heavy like that. And yeah. I really feel the words, but I feel it more from a less what he's talking about and more the energy and the voice and how it makes me feel. It's like the language is not what it's about for me. It inspired me and it inspired me to to do even just a little bit more than than, than I am doing. It is an album that, that it's less preachy as it is kind of, again, it's it's inclusive. It's like, you know, we need to figure this all out together. From a, just from a purely practical level, if 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 there is such a thing, how how do you apply this this discipline to your life? If you're writing about this and and you care about the earth and you clearly do, what are some of the things that that you do that you think others can do that ultimately will will help people take a little bit more responsibility that the, when we're not at the behest of of these governments and corporations and companies? Like what, what's the what's on the personal to do list? Well, anything you can do if you got enough money, you should be able to do a lot of stuff. You should be able to only eat food that is clean food that's not coming from factory farms. Factory farms were where we got climate change. So if you go right to the factory farm and then go back in time on the factory farm, that's the beginning. Yeah. That's it. That's when the earth started to go in the sky. That's when everything got screwed up and we started growing things for money instead of for health and for natural goodness. So that's what I think of. I I think of, uh, of those kind of things when I... You know, that's where my mind first went when you asked me this. What's R99 diesel? R99 is is a combination of animal, vegetable, and uh, mostly animals and vegetable fats and waste. Is it a a viable alternative to fuel when it comes to touring? It's absolutely viable for, for our tour. I looked into it for touring all of the vehicles and for, tu- for, for, for powering all of the vehicles and for powering the shows, the lights, the sound, the wow. venue, everything we could do with this renewable fuel. And we could take the generators with us, yeah. set them up, maybe have two sets of them and have them hop, hop skip over one or another, but do that kind of a thing to have a, a tour that wouldn't have an impact where we wouldn't be impacting. And then I came up against the food so all the venues have got arrangements with different people contracts and that's all factory farm food that everybody eats when they come to see one of our shows yeah that's exactly the opposite of what we believe in that's the part i'm having trouble with and i'm trying to figure it out you know there's um the touring thing is such a shortcut for um the decries of climate change and the people who want to cry hypocrisy on artists who decide that they want to do something about it and uh it drives me crazy because you know i don't even think about that exactly don't even think about that it's a waste of our time it is our time should be focused on moving forward into the direction of of uniting and fixing the problem so with that in mind 
using that as the incentive. Yeah. Is there a place for yourself, Coldplay, who I know care deeply about this and yeah, are searching for solutions, yeah. and a group of other artists to come together and create, I don't know, for lack of a better, okay, call it world tour. Call yeah. it world touring party. Love Earth tour. Yeah, or the world, yeah, the yeah, Love yeah. Earth touring party. A group, of, a collective of artists, just like you did in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, to try to solve some of these issues and once again inspire from inside the, the, the community, the artistic community, because that's how so much change has come from there. That is, that is what should happen. It's what we've been working on making happen for maybe seven, eight months now. Amazing. With, uh, you know, a group of people that I'm working with and sponsors and all kinds of people. And we put together a tour that fits with what we're describing. Yeah. If we take the farm-made, homegrown village and bring that to every city. So you're only eating local food or food that's grown in a clean way. You're not supporting pigs on top of each other in metal buildings with fans blowing and antibiotics being injected. Mm -hmm. That's not what we want because, why? Because they, they all shit right there. And then we take all that shit and we put it in a lagoon. Okay, so they never leave the building and all their shit goes in a lagoon that is like foul. And what used to happen is they used to walk around outside making holes in the ground with their feet and shitting on the ground and eating the grass and eating what was there. And then we're not doing any of those things and that's what happened to the earth. Mm. The earth is now dying inside. It's inside, you don't see worms, you don't see the roots, you don't see all the things that used to be there. 50, 60, 70 years ago. And, and the reason, yeah, that's a huge thing and it's around the planet. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's what gets me when I think about factory farms and people coming to our shows. If they only knew where the food really came from and they knew that it, it was so against nature. And being against nature is like being against earth. So I say, you know, love earth, don't do that. So it's really a, a reach for a lot of people to think of that. But it's not even like, uh, it's nothing that I'm telling them they should do. I'm saying I'm doing that. Yeah, that's what I mean. You know, a team that leads by yeah. example. If we do that together with other people, yeah. and other people find it to be an attractive way to approach life in these days, suddenly there'll be a lot of people like this. And then things will start to change. Yeah. And people start going in the same direction and succeeding there's more power in that than any of this. We're so terrified. Today, don't you think people, look at people, they're, they're striking out at each other, worried about the other side. Everybody's worried about, is the other side gonna win? Or, or we're gonna win if they cheated, if we won, we, the whole thing. And I, you know, I don't like all of that stuff, but that's all fear-based. It's all because we're scared shitless. Because at the bottom of everything, there's another thing going on saying, you know, they say the world might not be the same like in 15 years, we might be really screwed. Yeah, it's creating psychological trauma. Right, and all we gotta keep doing is what we're doing now. Yeah. We don't have to change anything. This is what we're doing. Yeah. We're not going to do it. We have to undo it. So that's, that's, that's where I'm coming from. And that's where I think a lot of the people who wrote this album are coming from. And you know, Every time I talk to them, that's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's, that, that rounds it up, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. One of those people at the beginning of the Break the Chain video, when asked, like, how are people going to feel about this album or something, and you went, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> 
And for a second, I was like, is he talking about me? And then I suddenly realized... Somebody else said yes, that. Yes, he's talking about me. Yes. And every other fan and anyone else who's ever going to listen to this record and have an opinion that's beyond yeah. the purpose. Yeah. It's, if it doesn't have... You know, I don't care. That's, I figured that's why they like it. Because I, I don't care. It, it's what I have to do. I want to do this. You know, that's why there's 51, 52 albums. Because I want to do this and I can still feel it. So I'd be crazy to stop. Oh, don't do that. But, you know, well, you never know. It could, you know, that's, that's, that's what the world is like, you know, things happen. Okay, so let me ask you this then. Um, from, from an audiophile point of view, as a fan of music, as a fan <laughs> of your music. Shifting. And the yes. music, you, well, not really, actually. There's a connection here. That's great. Um, last time, the last time I saw you here before I got my car and scooted off up the road, I got you to sign a copy of Everybody Knows, uh -huh. original Japanese pressing, secondhand. Mm. Pulls it out. It's like, oh, I'm going to sign this so this isn't the real deal. Yeah, yeah. There's a photo of me standing over your shoulder while you're analyzing it. I and analyze. Shitting my pants. I'm like, if I've got a bootleg here, I'm in real trouble. That's the most priceless album I own. But I, I have a lot of vinyl. And great. I love vinyl. Yeah, great. But, you know, that's, that's also a heavy footprint on the planet as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that makes a point, okay? Okay. But look at the footprint. Yeah. It's a it's a dainty little peck on the fucking earth, right? Okay, compared to what we're doing. So the risk to reward so all of the food. It's not that all fossil fuel <laughs> and everything is like we got to stop it completely. It's just we have to know what we're doing. Right, right. That's all I'm saying. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of vinyl out there. Yeah, I guess we could melt it all down. I'd rather Get some not do good that. gas going. No, 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 no. I don't want to do that. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. But I say leave it in the package. Yeah. It's already happened. It's history. Yeah. It's history. Yeah. And we're making vinyl now. Why? Because it sounds, it great, sounds great. And you can't hear it anywhere yeah. else except in my dreams of the new AM radio station with the analog transmitter. You going to give me a call? Uh, yeah. Hey, if you want to get involved in our radio station. I'm telling you, that's what I do. You might put an antenna up on the yeah, roof. We're thinking. We're thinking. We're thinking yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good an, idea. An analog AM that's radio station idea. broadcasting vinyl quality to the fucking world. All you need is the right kind of radio, okay? Yeah. You just get the radio, then you can have any music. I love that you talked recently about the magic of that, about the quality of radio. Because <laughs> it's funny, it has been edged out over time as being radio something is the that future. Was, right. It really I think is. So. Well, you know, when you look at what the comparison is, taking the dark step, <laughs> you know, into digital, broadcasting that way, put on that vinyl record. Well, I'm there as well. And there are benefits no, to that as well. No, of course, yes. But I'm saying that because we all live there. Yeah. It's not like I don't live there. I'm right here with you. I'm, yeah. I put out digital records all the time. Yeah. My record company, that was a funny thing that happened. They saw the movie. Yeah. And they said, you know, uh, World record, the making of world record is, is uh, I don't think we can get past the, the uh, quality. The quality of it is just not good. <laughs> I mean, it's so pixelated. And, and, it's, and it, it is, it really is. Yeah. It, and, I, and my answer is, that's exactly what you guys are giving Spotify. Yeah. Only now you can see it. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about, you know, just so you can see. When things are pixelated and you go, wow, this is screwed up. That's what the MP3 is. Nicely played, sir. So it's a, it's a thing, you know. Yeah, nicely played. You used to it's take those, uh, those test pressings down to the DJs as well. And, and you told a story again on the archives about that, about, about getting songs played and knowing whether it was resonating and connecting. And yeah. 
There's something special about that. There's something special about having a place that you can trust. Well, that- doing interviews, you've got to be surprised at what happens when you do interviews. You listen to the record. Yeah. You have a, some feelings about the record, and I, I can tell you've listened to it. One of, the, one of the interviews I did in the very beginning, and it was a big interview. It's a big thing, you know, and uh, this is a good one to do, you know. I'm getting started. I'm going to try it out. We'll see how it is. Sure. You know? So the guy's talking to me and he, about the music, and he starts off talking about Love Earth, and then he talks about uh, Shaboom by the, uh, by the crew cuts, that the words are similar and the melody is the same, very similar. You know, it's, it's a chord pattern that all of those songs from the 50s, like, 80% of them are yeah. the same chords. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's not uh, the 12-bar blues, it's the other one. There was only yeah. two. Yeah. So, so, it's so weird. I don't think the guy listened to the record at right. all. All he had was this one comment. Right. And then he didn't follow it up with, wow, I don't actually listen to it. And, you know, it's got all these things about this and that. And, and everything made me think about this, about, you know, Love Earth. And that's it. It sounds simple, but it's not as simple as it sounds, especially where we are now. There was none, nothing like that was said or, or conveyed or anything. And it was the only song that he mentioned. And then when I was looking back on the interview, and I'm thinking, I hope I never have another interview with that kind of thing, because I like talking to people who, who are into, you know, I don't care about, you know, the fact that I've been doing this for 55 years or whatever, and Rick has made hundreds of records, and I've made a really a lot of records, and here we are, and I'm not, I care about what we just did. Yeah. And that's what I care about. Well, the thing is that whoever's talking to you, whether it's their job or not, is entitled to an opinion and, enti- and sometimes even entitled to just like gloss over shit. Like that's whatever. Right. That's, that's right. just life, right? Yep. The issue, and you talk about this on the song. The long, the day, long before. day before. Yeah. The, the long day before. About the newscasts and all that shit. What you're saying in, in some respects is you're addressing that because it's not the opinion that ultimately is destructive. It's the fact that it suddenly goes everywhere. Yeah. Yes. And then people decide that that's really all they need. Yeah. It's just that opinion. Yeah. It's a conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. It is. Yeah. We talked a little bit about this on the phone, off the record, and I won't betray any trust there, but you know, I know that you were in the, in, the, in the throes of that conversation for a while there about what we do with opinion versus fact. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, uh, it scares the shit out of me. I don't, like, I, don't, I, don't like th- I don't like to go to social media. I don't like to get involved in that and the back and forth of one celebrity against another celebrity had to do with a certain kind of people. I mean, who cares? There's so many more important things than that to think about today if you really want to look at what's happening. So, but again, even as I'm saying that, I can feel like, well, you've said that so many times already and people know that and, you know, but people don't really know it well enough to act on it. Mm. So I keep going back to the same old thing. And, uh, and uh, it's going to be the death of me pretty soon, you know. I probably have to stop doing that. Fuck them. Yeah, fuck them if they can't take a joke. <laughs> <laughs> you mixed the album for vinyl, which I love. You did a, a mix for vinyl, mm-hmm. and there'll be another mix for digital. How was that, Rick? Can we talk a lot about that process and how you approach that differently to, to how you mix other records, just with the vinyl in mind? Um, we always try to make everything sound as good as it can, basically. Sure. And... Uh, the only reason, I think the only reason that there was a second one for digital was because we had more time mm, yeah. and we didn't have as much time for the vinyl one. So we put all of our energy into making the vinyl one as good as we can. And then anything that we heard after that, we were still able to do for the digital. So we did. Do you yeah. collect records? 
not anymore. I, I still have all of my, you know, my D, when I was a DJ, I still have all of those somewhere, I think. Uh, but I, I don't, uh, it's too, it's too depressing. Why? It's a, the rabbit hole of having to have the vinyl of the thing that I want to listen to. I like living with no stuff. Yeah. And I don't want to have, I don't want to have a lot of records. I just don't want to have them. I love the way they sound and it depresses me when I listen to them because when I listen to that record, I want to listen to all the records, but I don't have all the records. And it's, <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's a, and I live in different places in the world yeah. and I don't want to have, you know, duplicates of every record everywhere I go. It's too yeah. much. It's yeah. just too much. So I do do high res digital everywhere I go and I have hi-fi systems with high res digital, mm -hmm. which is the best I can do and still have everything, have the benefit of what's good about the, the digital is that it's all available. So I have my, I make that choice. Yeah, and sites that he listens to, he got sites that he listens to for certain kinds of music. Mm. That's he's true. he's such a music junkie that he says, I'm on, really, I wanna to listen to psychedelic music right now. So he'll listen to psychedelic music for two hours trip around in psychedelic music and then you know so instead of having a record collection yeah i think i he, like hearing I, new yeah, things that's yeah. another part of it is i really like hearing things i don't know mm. and i like hearing things that i don't know that remind me of things that i already like you know like from and it could be old things yeah all, never all the time it's all weird the time. I, I don't know why i fell into the collector trap and it really happened in the last few years and, I, and maybe it's been partly because of that because i've, I've spent my whole life chasing new all the time mm -hmm. that it had been 40 years since i'd actually looked at it yeah and held right. it right in right, my hands right, right. Yeah. i you used know. to really be into collecting things i just felt like at some point i think when i moved to malibu just the idea of not having stuff felt really yeah. good yeah, and then you, my at house some burned point down you and, let and all whatever go. stuff yeah. i did you've done collect. that as well you don't collect no i'm a huge collector <laughs> huge yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, no, completely understand. Yeah. I, I, I was more, I was like that before, and then somehow it, it changed, and it feels really. Uh, I feel free, like I feel like I'm. I put down the bags, and I don't have to carry them anymore. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> but let me ask you this then. Uh, you, I don't know. Let me try. Is there one record that's in a storage unit somewhere? Just one that means more than any other like what like one album or one song no. <laughs> i knew the answer you'd have to see find it in the no. storage unit by accident no. yeah and then see it and go oh shit yeah. i love that record oh man you know that, you that's the way that? to get yeah, back yeah, to yeah. it it's yeah, got to be an accident it's yeah. not like it's always an accident yeah, yeah you know i wonder if you'll ever do that i wonder if you'll ever actually go you know what maybe i'll just unlock unlock everything now and take a look I can't imagine it. I can't, I can't imagine it. I think you probably would be, you know what, I think we'll make another record. Yeah. Or, you know, do something musical. Something do something new that's yeah. expressive. Yeah. I mean, I, it's just... It's so much know. fun to make new stuff. I don't feel like a yeah. need to look back. Is that part of, partly why you agreed to, or you wanted to sell your songs, or, or let somebody else do it? No, I wanted to sell my songs because I don't have to worry about a fucking thing now. Yeah. I don't have to do anything I don't want to do. I've got the end of my life to go out doing exactly what it is I want to do and not doing what I don't want to do. Unless it hurts somebody that I love, then I really have to think about it. Mm. But when it comes to expressing who you are and what you can do, if you're constricted by money and a lot of people are relying on you, it's, it's you know, you don't have to do that. If you, you spend 75 years getting to the spot, you don't have to pay for what you did. Mm. You, you just sell what you want and you use the money 
to be able to go forward living life the way you want to live it and to, to, to make the examples. And that's the way I feel about it. You bought your freedom. Yeah, yeah. I don't have to do, uh, I don't have to go on a tour if I don't want to go on a tour. So it's not like, oh my God, what am I going to do? We can't get it together to have a clean tour. Uh, uh. It's no. It's like, well, can't get a clean tour? You tell oh, the well. people in Cincinnati. Yeah. Sorry, we can't do that because, you know, and Cincinnati's not a real town. I just pulled that out of the map. Say Roanoke, any city. Wait, Doesn't Cincinnati's matter. a real town, isn't it? Yeah, it is, but I don't want to be giving it a stigma by mentioning it. Okay. That's the problem with making quick examples while you're talking on the radio. <laughs> Then it's, you know, that's not what I want to do. All right. Well, the good folks of Cincinnati are off the hook. <laughs> that makes total sense. But then you hear somebody use your song in a different way. Do you still have control over that? Or you just let go of the whole thing? No. You don't have control over somebody doing something with a song unless you're doing a commercial. So how do you feel when someone, when you hear your songs in the context of a different context now? Are you okay with that? Uh, no. No. I, did, I, I don't like that. I like the songs to be the songs. I don't want the songs to become associated with a product or with a movement or with a politician or with a sport or with anything. Which it just was. Yeah. That song was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. Big song. You'll have to ask uh, Frank about that one. Mm. It's such a trade, eh? At the end of the day, you, it totally makes sense. Like, why would I need to hold on to these things when I can actually free myself to go and right. live my life? Actually live my life. What are they going to be worth to me when I'm gone? Yeah, and, and just to be clear... The fact that I sold my publishing had nothing to do with anything that's being used now in a commercial way. Mm. That was an accident uh, that happened through a bad decision right. that someone in the business world made on my behalf. So that was these things happen and yeah, life yeah, goes yeah. on. But it's an example, a singular example. It's a singular example. You won't see it again. And it there has nothing to do with my publishing company, who I chose because they would take care of my art. And I, I didn't try to milk them to death because I put so many restrictions on them that they couldn't do this or couldn't do that. They just sell it like music, mm. not, not to sell, you know, a politician. I, you know, I don't, want to do, I, don't want to, I don't want my music to be associated with a liberal or a, a whatever the other word is, right, left, you know, got all these slang words for them any of these people and any side i don't want that i the music is for everyone it's for people you've worked with people before closely neil but i wouldn't say you're a promiscuous collaborator <laughs> <laughs> i've taken advantage of a lot of people <laughs> i would say you've uh, been very uh, loyal to to the people that you trust and vice versa yeah. but i always feel like your fingerprints are all over every record in a major major way beyond even just the song that's just the feeling i've always gotten from listening to your music well i love to make records so exactly. i'm involved in almost every stage of it so working with rick what what did you learn or what was unique about this experience because everybody's different every experience it is different. was the closest i've been to working with david briggs who was my first yeah. producer yeah and uh, and and rick loves music I love music. Rick loves music. Rick knows how to make records. I know how to make records. We have fun hanging out together. What's the problem? <laughs> it's what it's, we do. It, it is fun to do it with someone you like yeah. instead yeah. of yourself. Yeah. And someone say, hey, what do you think of this? Which yeah. one do you like? Yeah. I like this one. What do you think? It's nice to have someone to bounce off. Also, I imagine if you, if you wrote the songs, having someone who didn't write the songs is helpful to just yeah. like, yeah, bounce yeah, yeah. off of because all the other people listening to it didn't write the songs yeah. so right. it's more of a real world Especially reference when there's, when there's multiple yous writing the songs 
And how do you even make a decision about... Well, you know, you have to get them all together in one room. That's a problem, though. That's just like they don't like each other. We do that. They don't know what's like each other. Doesn't work. Just lock the door and give you, give you an hour moment. If you, you can never get them all together in one place. <laughs> it's like cats. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, will you tour this if you can? If I can. Just got a few things to figure out. A lot of things to figure out. I'm excited to hear what it sounds like live because totally. it's. I have no idea what it's going to sound like. Even well, though you, it was you kind of do though, right? Well, it was recorded live, but it was such a strange, the way it happened is so weird that I don't know that it's... Uh, if you, you can, listen to it and then watch the movie of it happening, it. it's like, what? What you're saying is that basically what you captured in the moment and then you came back to, it's like it had changed shape behind yes. your back. Yes. Yeah, it never was what we thought it was. No. And it keeps changing still. Yeah. I, I still, last time I listened to it, it sounded different than the last yeah, yeah, than the yeah. time before. It's, yeah. It has this life to it. Yeah, and the only thing I can get to that to try to understand that or at least try to figure out what might be at play here is that um, beyond the, the, the magic and the strangeness is that um, when, you, when you go into something without the idea of it, without an, an overly analytical approach and the desire for perfection, you give the, so many different variables of solutions at any given time even though it exists in one singular motion it's totally wide open to change in front of you because you haven't refined it to a point where there's just there's no space for change it's been a long time since we've done anything like that right no it's true it's true and i feel <laughs> like awesome it, it i hear it too also neil didn't really know the songs in the studio i had to learn them it was, i didn't know what instrument they right. were on right. no it's like it really was that when the recordings that you hear yeah might be the first time neil ever heard it when it was happening seriously yeah and i even seriously. say that at the end of one song i yeah. said it to the horse i said congratulations we fucking made it through it that's amazing we got all the way through it yeah you know because yeah. we never i had never heard it yeah yeah that's so, so you know it was nuts so we so it's it doesn't matter body experience. It's the closest thing you probably get to actually being a fan of who of yourself or not. <laughs> well, you're in the room anyway. Right. <laughs> Physically. <laughs> it, was, it was fun and uh, surprising yeah. on a daily basis. Yeah. yeah. I, I hope people get out of it what we got. If they did, it's a home run. Before we go, there's a big anniversary coming up. You're not one to look back. We've established that in the few times we've spoken. I respect it. Um, but Harvest is about to, to have a, a pretty big birthday. Well, you know, in tr retrospect, which I'd have to say, yeah, Harvest's birthday was last year. Right. Was it? Yeah. So, how does so that So it's work? all old news now. Right. So we don't have to talk about <laughs> it. It happened last year. We don't have to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't really tempted to leave it there, but I sort of feel like <laughs> somebody will be pissed if I don't, yeah. if I don't push it. No, no, it. they will be. Harvest is a good one. <laughs> yeah, it is. Harvest it came is out good. One. We made a movie about it. Yeah. We had a whole movie of making Harvest. That no one's seen. So okay, will, will people ever see it? Yeah, yeah it's gonna okay. actually it's yeah. gonna be in theaters. Amazing for yeah one night only. Of course, you yeah, know yeah. people blink. It's over. Ah. Yeah. But that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's the way it should be. And then then it becomes available in all of the regular formats. <laughs> <laughs> that was epic. Yeah. I'll wear it. <laughs> it's great. I'll wear it. It's our world, man. I'll wear it. You gotta come looking for me. If you put an antenna on top of that roof, I'll come do like a, I'll do an overnight shift. Yeah, nice. that'd be great. Nice. Do a late night show. Yes. Yeah, that'd be good. Let's do it. It'd be good. We, you know, we, we we're partly serious. Oh, I know you're always partly serious. <laughs> <laughs> we're exploring this. Why not? I'm excited for. Um, 
I'm excited for the vinyl. I can't wait to see the etching. Yeah. I'm excited for that. Yeah. For the Harvest film. Yeah, the Harvest film and that. Uh, it's weird because you don't want to talk about it. And I don't know why you don't want to talk about it, but you don't mind going inside it, right? And no, it's great. It to life. It's, you look at it, you'll see it. It's, all, it's us 50 years ago making this record and everybody's having a great time. Mm. I think we played seven songs that are on the record. Not those versions, different versions. It's cool that that exists. I didn't yeah, know that film it, yeah. existed. Yeah, I've had it for a long time. That's what the archives is all about. You just have to go back to the right year and then look, and there it is. It's the beautiful thing about making great art, right? You're always 10, 20, 30 years away from some anniversary. Or There's a release or coming up somewhere for exactly. something. Exactly. There's always yeah. something. You're just living life in a loop, Neil. <laughs> it keeps me busy. It just keeps you going. Yeah. We can just, if we can just find a way to extend our lives by another 100 years and the planet by another 1,000, then we might just be able to keep reliving our lives over and over and let's, over and over again. That's a good thought. Let's hold on to the thought of keeping the planet alive for our children. Well, nice. Let me know how I can help, man. All right. I will. Appreciate you. Thanks for sticking around for this. Thanks for <laughs> Thanks. having us. Thanks for listening to the latest conversation right here on the interview series. Myself, Rick Rubin and Neil Young. Add a rating or a comment. And once again, just follow this series if you haven't already. And we appreciate you. Back next week.